Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you're listening to the best sports podcast in the world. I am here to cover the Olympic marathon trials in Atlanta held on Saturday. The two normal co-hosts, Jay and B, are not with us. They're out on contract negotiations. Yours truly has been signed to a five-year deal, so I'll be here more, and you're going to hear me nationwide. I am not alone, though. I did bring a doctor on the show. Dr. Matthew May, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so um, did you like the production value with Hulk Hogan? I did like that production value. Maybe you should clarify, I'm not that kind of doctor. (laughs) I didn't want to clarify, but, you know, (laughs) I do the... I do defer to you on most things since I think you're generally smarter than me in most things besides alcohol, so. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm earning my stripes in that as well. <laughs> <laughs> Matt is uh, new to the uh, newborn life, so he might be in a daze for this last week or so. Bit of sleep deprivation, but I can still talk Olympic trials. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. So uh, what I want to do first is kind of cover what happened in 2016. Um, Here's a little clip. And here he comes to the finish line. Galen Ruff winning his first marathon in resounding fashion to head the U.S. Olympic team. Rounding the corner and heading for the tape. So Galen Ruff, marathon debut, 2016 Olympic trials. uh, Dominated the end and... um, beat Meb Kofleski and Jared Ward. Um, Jared Ward hung on uh, from Luke Pozesnik. Um, and it kind of went rub Meb and then Jared pretty evenly. There wasn't too close of a finish. What did you think of the 2016 Olympic trials, Matt? Uh, I thought it pretty much went to uh, expectation. I think the past few trials, there's been kind of a, a front runner that you know, it was a foregone conclusion. As long as they finished the race, they were probably going to win. Um, so, you know, I think we saw that with Rupp. Jared Ward might have been the surprise at the time, although coming around to 2020, I think, you know, people pretty much expect Jared Ward to be on this team. So let's talk about this year's trials. You said 2016 went according to script. I agree with you. Do you see 2020 having surprises, or do you think there's a lot, you know, with the men's race, there is some depth. Do you see there a curveball in there, too? Well, I think still, assuming Rupp finishes the race, I know there's some debate about winning career and, you know, whether or not if it came down to a kick, he might pull it off. But I think when you comfortably run a 61-minute half a few weeks before, and you have the credentials on the world stage that Rupp has that if Rupp finishes the race, my opinion, Rupp wins the race. And I kind of agree. I will get into predictions at the uh, end of our expectations. I think there'll be a lot of moves. As it, I mean, it's a long race. You have an inexperienced field in the sense that you do have a lot of kids that ran Chicago, that ran that 211, 212 range. Um, you have Walmsley, who people say could throw a curveball in there and um, take off early since some believe the course tailors to his skill set, the ultra field. So you are going to see unpre- you know, moves that are going to happen. I think at least with two of these gentlemen and probably four of these gentlemen with you know Career, Rupp, Ward, and Fobble, they're going to be able to cover most moves that are made. So I'm not really worried about those four getting dropped. So I don't see an outsider coming in 
Would you agree with that statement? I think that's that's a, a fair statement. And, you know, I think a lot's been made about, you know, how many people have run 211, 212, maybe even 210 high in the last few months. But that's always been the case. You know, going back to at least 2012, there was a handful of 211 guys, and it was anybody's guess which one of them would be there at the end. Guys like Brett Gotcher that didn't make the team. Nick Garcianaga was in that mix at one point in time. You know, and so it's just a whole new group. And maybe one of them emerges, but I think there's a solid four that, barring some unforeseen circumstance or the course really playing a factor, I think will play out as pretty much expected and i've listened to a lot of podcasts um recently so sidious mag podcast the clean sport collective let's run so i, I kind of get my sources mixed up but i think it was wamsley on let's run and they asked him to go hey you know you're an ultra runner this course is hilly how does this you think you have an advantage and he said if someone's not prepared for the hills that's their own damn fault pretty much meaning everybody's going to be prepared for the hills so right. I and think that's getting kind of blown out of proportion a little bit. I think, too, though. I mean, yes, Atlanta is hilly. It's not going to be a flat, you know, fast course like some of the trials have been. But we're not talking about Alamosa 1968, you know, 8,000 feet or whatever. Right. <laughs> so I think, you know, regardless of course conditions, weather, things like that, someone like Rupp with his talent is, you know, not going to be affected by that. Now, if weather is suddenly terrible, and I don't think it's going to be, then maybe someone slips into that third spot unexpectedly. Yeah, I think we're looking at like 50s, 60s, maybe maybe a little wet, but it looks it looks actually really nice. So I think it's going to be yeah. fine on that front. Um, right. We we are downplaying the outsiders, but let's let's mention a couple. Do you see if you see someone break into that top three and top four that we haven't mentioned? Who do you think that could be, and why? Um, I mean, I think you got to look at the people that have come out on top in some of these other races. Everybody's got a decent time now, given the the shoe controversy and the the courses they've run on. But the guys that win those races, I think, are the ones that are worth noting. Uh, someone like Brogan Austin, maybe, um, who won Cal, I think it was last year. A uh, couple of other guys that, you know, have been around a while and finally seem to have had a, a recent breakthrough. I would throw, you know, Jake Riley into that mix, maybe. Mm-hmm. I like that pick a lot. Um, for me, uh, you know, you're a Michigan boy now. I might go – I kind of like B-Watt in this case. Uh, yeah. I feel like he's coming in under the radar. Um, I, I did listen to a podcast with him. He was very confident. He says that he – it's hard for him to train a hundred percent and get to the start line. So he's trains at like 80 or 90%, which is kind of an interesting take. Right. Maybe Dathan Nitzenrod needs to do that. But yeah, I see someone like him maybe in the mix, but there's these other guys just have so much speed. I, it's hard for me to see someone at the master's level. A lot of people are saying Legat. I was going to say, how do you count out the, the 45 year old with the three, four, Six miles. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when we were in college together, Legat was my favorite runner, and he's still doing it. So, right. I think you know, you go back to high school. He yeah. was Olympic silverist, Olympic silver medalist in two thousand, I believe. So that's um, that's very interesting. Yeah, I don't know. They did say um, Legat did a workout in Kenya, and it was his best one out of his last two marathons. So, but his like two twelve, I think it was a downhill course. So that's kind of hard to. Yeah, I think if we go back to. 
2012 or 20, I guess it was 2016 trials in LA and it's going to be 80 degrees, you know, I would put a little, uh, a little more into Legat's chances for, for, you know, being on the podium, making this team. But I think, you know, there's a big difference between a track and a hilly marathon course. Yeah, I agree. Like, I almost think he should just do like, maybe will i get like just jump into boston rather the trials and just i understand the olympic dream but you don't you know there's not gonna be a lot of americans at boston this year so Uh, and there's something to be said too for having made an olympic team and then you know whether or not that motivation is still there and i don't you know i wouldn't take away anything from his motivation but at the end of the day when it comes down to who's gonna you know be willing to dig for that third spot the person that's never made that team you know I put my money on that. Well, so that kind of that's a good segue um, to our predictions for the men's race. I think the men's race out of the two is the least exciting in my book. I think the women's is totally up in the air, and we'll cover that here in a second. But fourth place, who do you see? Mm, fourth place, I'm gonna. You know, I think I like your uh, your underdog pick of Bwat. You know, I hadn't. You know. There's a lot of people out there to consider for that, and so I would, uh, you know, I would say it's a it's probably the worst spot to be in, but you know, a couple podium finishes in Boston, and he's probably right there. So, so I'm gonna go fourth place, fourth place Bwat. I feel pretty confident about my men's picks for some reason. I think fourth for the men is going to be Jared Ward, and the reason is it's kind of <laughs> the reason I alluded this is. He has been on the team before, and I think the will to make another team is hard. You've already alluded to that. Um, There's other individuals that I think are just equally as talented to him, and I'm going to probably mention him third, which I'll go ahead and do. I have Scott Favre as third. Um, I think they're they're neck and neck, and it's going to be a last mile, but I think Scott's determined. We saw him run a great Boston, so I think he'll be there at third place. What's your third pick? So I am also going to go Scott Fable in third. Um, I think the you know he's had consistently strong showings over a couple of marathons, which I think bodes well. And also is kind of a a hint at who I'm leaving out of this top three that I imagine you have in there. Yeah, I I, I kind of know where you're going now. My my runner up, I have Leonard Lenny Career. Um, I don't know if he goes by Lenny, but he should. Um, he, I think he's shown he has enough speed, and I, we haven't mentioned shoe technology yet, but I think the Alpha Flies are going to be a little bit better than everybody else's. Um, I had him. I want him to win. I have him kind of maybe a dark horse. Not really a dark horse, but I think he could win depending on what Rupp does in that last mile, and a career seems like a guy that's just going to sit and kick all day. So I think career covers every move. He'll be there. I think him and Rupp pull away from uh, Warden Fobble a little bit. It's going to be a little bit comfortable for them. You'll see an alpha fly finish. And uh, so I got career second. And obviously, like you've mentioned, if Rupp's healthy, which it looks like he is, he's going to be on the team and probably winning it. What's your last two? So I'm going to go with Jared Ward in second. I guess I'm going to kind of go back on what I said a little bit ago and use the alternative logic is he's been there before. 
<laughs> and because he's been there before, he's durable. You know, he's consistently works a, a top ten finish in major marathons against you know arguably far more competitive fields than our trials. I think you know he'll be strong on the hills. Although as you already said, you know who's not prepared for the hills, knowing the course well in advance. And then Rupp, as I said earlier, I think if if Rupp finishes the race, Rupp wins the race. And so the obvious person missing from my top four then is is career. And I just think there's not enough of a resume in the marathon. Um, and it's one thing to cover moves in a 10K on the track. It's, a, it's another to do it over hills, over 26 miles. And, you know, he absolutely has the credentials to be there. And I think someone like B-Watt often slips into that fourth, fifth spot, not necessarily because they ran the fastest time, but because the people in front of them dropped. Right. And so I would, you know, put my money on that if I had to and that was um, who's going to be on this team. And that's kind of what Kara did and, you know, Goucher did in 2016. So, right. Well, I... I like those picks. We'll see how that turns out. I think we should move to the women's. Like I said, to me, this is probably definitely the most interesting race. A lot of question marks, a lot of unproven talent, some veterans. Let's listen to a clip from one of the participants. The rain continues to come down, and now the drought is over. An American woman wins Boston for the first time in more than 30 years. So that's Des Linden winning Boston. Um, I will be in Atlanta cheering her on. She's one of my favorite professional runners. She looks to make her third marathon team, I believe. So um, expectations are well, actually 2016. Uh, Amy Craig Hastings and Shalane took off in the heat of L.A. Uh, they pulled up a nice little lead. Shalane, she kind of coached Shalane till the last mile and a half. Took off because Dez was coming. Dez caught Shalane, but Shalane hold off Karagoucher to finish in third. So you had Amy first, Dez second, and Shalane third. What did you think about those trials? So I'm going to talk about those trials with something you just said about the current women's trials, which is they are more exciting than the men's. And I think that is the first time maybe as long as I've been paying attention that that has happened. And 2016, sort of like 2012, there was a clear three, maybe four, and it was just which order are they going to finish in? And so there wasn't the, you know, the slew of women behind them to really talk about who could get on the team. Um, I think that changes this, this year, as we'll talk about in a bit. But I think, you know, the, the prediction for... 2016 would have been does Kara Goucher get on that team and break up those top three but really it's a question of you know which order are those three going to finish in right and that maybe is not as exciting as when we're talking about is somebody getting on the team or not yeah and I and I and Kellen Taylor had a good showing there I think she finished six and I think she led some in that race um but you're right um going on to this trials your first place, your champion of 2016, is withdrawn because of illness. Um, sound like overtraining going into Epstein Bar, which is an interesting combination. I don't know if I've heard of that in a runner. Um, 
what do you how do you see this race breaking down? It's there's a lot of a lot of moving parts in this field. How do you see it? All right, with with Amy out, I think that really opens the door for for a lot of people, you know, to to be considered. Um, I would say, you know, kind of like maybe not the the caliber in the marathon of Leonard Career, but I think we you know need to consider Sally Kipiego, mm. you know, former 10K Olympic silver medalist, you know, who has run decent times, maybe not great times in the marathon. You know, she's she's one to consider in there. Um, you obviously have Jordan to say with her amazing times in the races she's been healthy for and finished, but then that's a whole other question mark about where her health is going into this race and how you know she's going to perform on the hills and and with uh, you know coaching change and things like that. Um, I think. There's a, a special place in my heart for Sarah Hall, who has come so close in so many different events yeah. over so many years and never made a team. And, you know, I would say, regardless of who I pick as my top three, I, I want to see Sarah Hall in that top three for that reason. Um, and then, you know, Desi, having lived in the Rochester Hills area for, for several years and, you know, been around the Hanson's team and Hanson's program a bit. Um, I can tell you she is someone who is extremely durable and consistent and will be unaffected by course conditions, as you saw in Boston last year. And so I think it's a safe bet to, you know, consider her in contention for one of those three spots, even though she, you know, is a little bit older than some of the people in the field. And then there's the new talent. So Emily Sisson and Emma Bates and other people who have come out recently and thrown down fast times. And then you already mentioned Kellen Taylor as someone who was there in 2016 and is back in 2020. So. And you, you you mentioned all those people, and I don't think I heard you see maybe the most prestigious athlete in the field in Molly Huddle, right? Like, right. And I will say, you know, I've kind of counted Molly Huddle out based on the performances I've seen in the marathon over her career and someone too, who, you know, has never made the team in the marathon, but I would say if she doesn't make this marathon team, she's probably still our, one of our best contenders in the 10 K. And so she's one of the few that can probably move down to the track and still make the 2020 Olympic team, even if it's not in the marathon. Yeah. And what I like about this race too, is you have training partners going head to head. So, I mean, you have the NAZ elite field. Those three girls are pretty – those three women are pretty close. And then, uh, you know, you have Sisson and Holly uh, – uh, Molly Huddle. And I think that's interesting. When so, you train with someone every day, as you know, as we are teammates, if you're beating me every day in practice and we start the starting line, you already have an advantage on me, in my opinion. So I think that plays into it a little bit, who you pick, knowing who's running faster in some workouts and races. I mean, there is certainly some some evidence to that, but I would also say it gives those two individuals an advantage over the field to have somebody in that race. And you saw it with Shalane and, and Amy in 2016. You know, I would say without Amy, I don't know if Shalane makes that team. I 100% agree on that. Yeah, that's a good point too. Very good point. Well, let's get to it. Uh, fourth place. I'm just gonna throw out a shocker. I. I did. I did my predictions last week. Listened to a bunch of podcasts of other people's positions, and I was the only person that did not have Sisson in the top three. And 
they just did that running world running's world survey with other Olympians and Sisson was the favorite. So I, I went back actually, looked at Sisson's credentials. She has one marathon and I don't know if there's a worse course you could be on if you're her in your your second marathon and having to make decisions on the fly. I, she has, so you're picking Sisson fourth? Sisson fourth, and I I just don't think she has she has the talent. I just don't think she has the the experience and the decision making against the veterans of the field. And that you're gonna see a kind of a theme for my women's race after this. Okay. But I got Sisson fourth. So I I like your justification. Um I'm gonna go back to sort of what I said about the men's race. I think when you look at that fourth, fifth, sixth place spot in an Olympic trials, or if you, you know, look at similar placing in some of the majors, it's often the person that, you know, maybe should have been 10th, but a lot of people ahead of them that were thinking they were going to make a team or win the race just drop. And so I'm going to go with Emma Bates in fourth Mm. as someone who is going to fight to the end, no matter how bad she feels. And, is not going to drop out and hope she makes a 10k team or anything like that. So, and that and that's what kind of tickles my giblets per se about both these races. If we can get the field strung out and it not be a pack race, that would be awesome. And then you have, you know, like you said, those fifth, fourth people picking up carnage on the way home. You know, and that's what makes the marathon interesting is when people start fading and you have people coming up hard. Right. So third place. I'm gonna have it. I'm gonna have Kellen Taylor. I listen to Ben Rosario. He's 100% sure. I think that he she's gonna make the field. She's tough. She ran great at Grandma's. I think she's tough enough to grit it out. She might be. She has two teammates, like you said there, that could probably help her for a little bit. I see her as third place. Who's your third? So my third, I'm gonna go with Desi. I think. You know, she certainly has the talent to win this race, but I think, you know, it's a safe bet to count on her to, to be on that podium at the end. I don't know that I I trust her speed against some of the, the younger women in the race, but I certainly think at the end of the day, she's still going to be in the mix. And so I'm going Desi third. Yeah, I have, I have Desi second, so we're right there. I mean, okay, she's going to be... She's a metronome. She's going to run her own race. She's not going to be surprised. And when it comes to the trials, she's one of the more talented ones in the field. And as I said on the men's picks, I feel very confident. I feel like I could get every one of these wrong or I'll get them all right. It's just what dominoes fall with the women's race. And I could miss the whole field, in my opinion. So Desi is about the only one, though, I feel confident that I'd say, okay, if I'm going to Vegas and putting money down, I have Desi on. I'm, that's who I'm betting on. And so, second for me, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it, even though you know it's proven perhaps wrong many many trials before across all sorts of events. I'm gonna take Sarah Hall second. I think she finally puts it together. I think you know she uh, gets the race that I would say maybe she deserves after putting in years of, you know, not just fifth and sixth place finishes, but also playing second fiddle to Ryan. You know, I think there's there's something to be said for that, for, for sticking with it and coming back at, at her age and putting in the performances. So I know, you know, 
I bet a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't even put her in the top three, but I'm going to go with Sarah Hall, second place. So we didn't talk about these picks at all before. No, we did not. <laughs> <laughs> I have Sarah Hall winning the whole damn thing. Sarah I, Hall winning the whole thing. Wow. The reason well, is. I will say that there's something consistent to both of us. Uh, I'm going with Emily Sisson, which means we both left Jordan Hesse off the seat. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll get to that, and, and no, I'll get to that with the Sarah Hall. I think this course is probably the worst course if you're a new runner and you have some sort of chink in your armor. Jordan's right. hamstring injury was obviously pretty bad, and that's just going to be exposed. There's no way you're recovering from that. Um, I don't think this quickly. To Sarah Hall, though, she's tough. She's She has the experience. She's a racer. That's the other thing. She races everything. She's not going to be surprised. I put her first just because I think she's the one that is could take off and make that early move, and Dez will kind of lay back. But I think the women's race will be close. So I did leave Hase and Sisson both off my list, who are maybe the two favorites. But – what about what? So, so, so I've got Sisson first. I think she is just, you know, I know there's not a, a ton of evidence out there as far as resume goes at the marathon level, but I think in general, she has seemed more durable than, than Jordan is. And I would say, you know, I don't disagree if Sarah Hall made a move early and people didn't take it seriously and let her run away, she could absolutely win this race. But I think if a pack stays together, I take Emily Sisson's speed at the end over someone like Sarah Hall. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be more of Sisson's failure than anything else. But I'm definitely I, – I feel like I'm going to eat my words on that. But So do we have any Nike athletes in the top six for women? Um, well, we only went four deep, and I'm trying to think who – No, I don't think we do. No, yeah. So that's, you know, that's strange because they dominated, you know, with Shalane and Amy in the last two. So, yeah, interesting. I, I think, you know, things like Alberto Salazar's ban has thrown a wrench into some of that. And then Amy dropping out. And so, I yeah, think. I mean, the only one it would be would be Jordan, I could see. But we lift right. her off. So, well, m- Matt, thanks for joining me on the podcast. I will be in Atlanta. Uh, I'll be in the Thunderstick zone, they said. I get to bang Thundersticks for two and a half hours and see runners six times. So you are close with the Atlanta Track Club. Um, they always put on a good event. Uh, do you have any final words for us? Well, uh, thanks for having me on. I don't know that I'm much of an expert in this area, but I certainly have spent a lot of time with the Atlanta Track Club and the some of the handsomest runners here in Michigan. So I uh, certainly am happy to offer my two cents as, as it may go, but I look forward to watching both races on Saturday. It's a kind of a, wouldn't say an annual event in my house as it happens every four years, but it certainly is, you know, one of the days we look forward to maybe even more than the actual Olympic marathon. I actually agree with you. I think the trials is the best race there is. So All right, well, I appreciate it. And to our audience, we'll get back to you later.